Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and more recently venture capital in Africa. And I'm Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple. Increase the representation of women in the VC industry through awareness and engagement. So join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in VC. Our guest today is Justin Wang. Justin is a VP at Industry Ventures, focusing on originating, valuing and helping manage the firm's secondary investments. She was also an Insight and Pair VC fellow. Justin started her career as an equity research analyst at Goldman Sachs, focusing on medical technology and devices, along with covering software and internet companies. She received her MBA at Wharton and a BA in Economics and Statistics at University of California, Berkeley. Thanks for joining us today, Justin. It's an awesome pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. Great. Diving right into our conversation, we see that you started your career in the world of finance with Goldman Sachs and chose to continue in the same industry. Curious to know how did you decide that you wanted to build your career in this industry? Yeah, so it's funny. It's a little cliche to say, but I've always been really interested in investing. You know, I'd watch CNBC and kind of watch the tickers go by and always thought it was really exciting. Um, so I, I tried to get a role uh, full-time straight out of school and ended up at Goldman Sachs in equity research. And the first thing I realized when I joined Goldman is that I was able to get exposure to some of the smartest, most talented people in the industry, both on the finance side and on the company side, right out of school. I loved being able to sit in with ultra experienced public company CEOs and just learn from osmosis around how they think about everything from strategy to messaging the streets um, to company building. And then I also love just chatting with experienced investors who are clients, both public and private, and realize that my interests and personality just fit really well with investing. And, and as I got more experience, I realized I just really loved coming across a new product or a segment or a company and just digging into the industry and space and trying to understand what drives a business or market. I don't mind being the dumbest person in the room and learning from these experts. I think, you know, being 22 and sitting next to somebody running a hundred billion dollar company is, is very, very scary, but I really enjoyed just kind of being in that type of situation. And it continues to be that way in my current role. I talk to experienced VCs who I have much to learn from. I meet founders who, you know, are experts in building the product that they're, they're working on now. So I, I just love being able to, to be around people who are at the top of their game. And, and I actually think that's one of the best parts of the job and why I continue to work in, in finance. That's amazing. Um, and something I definitely echo. I, I started in finance technically as well on, on the capital market side and uh, a really steep learning curve, but also kind of what pushes you to go to work as well. Um, I'm really curious to learn a little bit more about industry ventures and more specifically for our listeners, could you detail out what the secondary team does? How is it structured? What excites you the most about it? Yeah, absolutely. So industry ventures is based in San Francisco and we actually run four different fund strategies, all focused on tech investing. So at the earliest stages, we have a fund of funds product that focuses on emerging managers. We have a direct co-invest fund where we invest alongside those managers in their best companies. I sit in our secondaries fund, which is uh, where the firm started about 20 years ago, kind of coming out of the dot-com bubble. And then we also have another fund of funds uh, focusing on emerging uh, managers in the tech buyout space. And so just to double click a bit more on the secondary strategy, 
Uh, our firm started, like I mentioned, out of the dot-com bubble where our founder, um, Hans Soldens, realized that there was an opportunity to purchase stakes in companies and stakes in other venture funds as uh, what we call tourist investors wandered into dot-com kind of internet investments and didn't realize what they were holding. And so he realized that there was a great opportunity there. Uh, fast forward um, over 20 years at this point, we're now investing out of an $850 million fund nine, all focused on um, secondary venture investments. So we think of um, secondaries in, in kind of three separate buckets on our team. So the first bucket is uh, we buy direct secondaries in late stage venture backed startups, meaning we're purchasing shares from early investors, um, from employees from corporate VCs who may have made an investment. Um, basically anybody who sits on the cap table directly, we're able to purchase their shares from them. And the, the impetus for that is we're really a liquidity provider there. So a lot of times you have companies staying private for much longer. It's certainly been a trend over the past decade or so. And so there are different reasons why folks on the cap table would need liquidity from funds uh, hitting the end of their fund terms to individuals uh, trying to do things like buy a house. So, so we're able to be a liquidity provider there. Uh, the second bucket of what we look at on the venture secondary side is uh, secondaries uh, where we're purchasing LP interest in other venture funds. So uh, similarly, we are a liquidity provider here. Uh, we're buying LP interest from everybody from individuals to endowments to uh, pension funds. And a lot of times their reasons for selling vary quite a bit, um, somewhat similar to the direct side of things. You know, you, you come up against things like the end of fund terms. You have uh, institutional investors who are looking to kind of revamp the their manager roster. And so they may divest out of one manager in order to free up capital for a new manager. You have turnovers in those um, institutional investment teams. So people may want to bring their own relationships in. There's a multitude of reasons why uh, people look for liquidity there, but we found that that's a, been a really good part of our business. And, and we've done a lot of LP secondaries in particular over the last uh, two years. We think that we can find value and get exposure to some of the best companies um, at really nice values, especially given how frothy the, the venture markets were over the last, call it two, 18 months to, to two years. The last bucket of what we do is um, somewhat of a special situations type bucket focused on venture secondaries. So we do things like GP leds. Um, so GP led transactions are ones where the GP of a venture fund decides to maybe put together a new vehicle. So their best assets may have more time to mature as their fund term expires. Um, it may be a strip sale so they can distribute some cash to, to their LPs. Um, it can take a bunch of different forms. So that that sits within kind of our, our third bucket. We also do things like help corporate VCs spin out. Um, if there's maybe a change in strategy at the corporate level and, and a fund manager, a, a corporate VC has really nice assets. Um, we also can form SPVs to purchase secondaries with folks who don't have SECRA status. So, so basically the way we think about it is if it's a secondary and it's venture related, we, we try to find um, a way to take a look at it. And I think what's really exciting about this space is it's truly matured a ton over the last two decades. So secondaries were almost a bit of a dirty word back then, right? Nobody wanted management teams to get liquidity too early because they were worried about incentive alignment. I think now it's becoming pretty common in a lot of these late stage rounds. There's a secondary component and, and there are you know, new marketplaces like Forge um, that have really kind of democratized that part of the market. So I think it's been really fun to be in a, in a market that's changed a lot, even since when I was an associate at the firm um, over six years ago. So it's been interesting to see it evolve and really mature. Um, 
What's also been interesting on the venture secondary side of the market is secondaries is a much larger asset class than just venture, obviously. So there's huge funds focused on PE secondaries, real estate secondaries, infrastructure secondaries, and there's been a lot of innovation in, in their parts of the market that's slowly finding its way to the venture world. So GP LEDs, which I touched on earlier, are something that have been done for a while on the PE side of things and, and have just trickled into venture. So it's been really fun to be um, at a firm where we can be really flexible and work with folks and, and try to you know, fit these solutions into the venture market. Um, lastly, uh, our team is really, really flat. And so for an, in an industry venture specific uh, side of the, the question, I think it's a really, really exciting firm to be at because we're a flat structure. We like to be really creative. We want to, you know, be sure we can get access to the best managers and the best companies. And, and we'll find a way to do that uh, depending on what we see in the market. So I know that was a long answer to the question, but uh, hopefully that, that helps illuminate a bit of what we do on the secondaries team here. Definitely. I think this was a great rundown of secondary as a class of investment, which, yeah, like you said, has recently been, has come up in limelight. And I, I was, I wasn't aware that it, it, it was something that funds would do in the past. It was considered dirty work per se, but uh, thanks for giving the rundown of uh, what it entails. Um, talking a little bit more about the different kinds of investing in different stages and different classes, we see that uh, you were also a fellow at Insight and Pair VC, um, and they primarily focus on early stage investments. Curious to know how you decided on what stage of investments you want to focus on. And now, now that you're doing secondary, it's later stage as well. So how did you kind of narrow down on what's in it for you? Yeah, so... I worked with Insight, um, which is a program where uh, students kind of consult with startups. Um, and, and I worked with a few startups in the Philly area. And then I worked with ParaVC, which is a pre-seed and seed-focused firm based out of Palo Alto as one of their fellows out at Wharton. And I thought that that was a really interesting, ex uh, both of them are really interesting experiences because I wanted to get exposure to the earlier stages of the market because frankly, coming from equity research where I'm covering mature public companies and um, working on the secondary team industry, all of my exposure was truly in, in later stages. And it was always something I was curious about. So I wanted to spend my two years in business school kind of exploring the earlier side of the market. And I think those two experiences uh, taught me a few things. Number one, I think the experiences that I had in the past um, lend themselves better to later stage. I think Folks who have been company builders, who have spent a lot of time in the trenches, um, have a lot to kind of contribute to, to the early stage side of the market. And frankly, that's not exactly where my experience was before. That's not to say that you can't become an early stage investor without ex that experience. I just thought that, you know, I, I enjoyed late stage focused investing already. And so given my experience, kind of why shift that earlier if, if it's something I really enjoyed? Um, that said, I think... The, those two experiences also gave me really good perspective on um, being a better investor industry. So being a secondary fund focused on venture, we work with everybody from pre-seed investors to angel investors who are looking for liquidity a few years down the road. We also work with you know lar large, long-only public investors, hedge funds, mutual funds, corporate. So, so we work with a wide variety of sellers. And so <clears throat> getting this experience um, kind of helped me learn the language and, and how to interact with all these different types of groups a bit better, which I think was really valuable um, in, in my current role. And although venture is treated as one asset class, it feels like there's almost a bunch, there's a bunch of sub asset classes within it, right? From uh, pre-seeds very different than late stage. And so this just helped me gain more exposure into that earlier side of the market and, and do my current job better. 
It's really interesting that you say that. So I'm taking the VCP class right now at HBS. And, and um, a couple of weeks earlier, we were talking about, you know, the different categories within investing. And, and like you said, it is completely different. The, the nature of your work and your role and responsibilities is very different when you're pre-seed, seed stage versus, you know, series A, B, C, and then eventually growth and PE. Just because based on interactions with founders, the amount of analytical and quant work that you put in. So 100% um, echo what you said and understand this, you know, um, wanting to do these fellowships to get a better sense of the early stage um, aspect of VC. Um, that's awesome. I, I'm just going to shift gears a little bit and talk about your experience as a female investor, basically. Um, how is that? during your different roles in the finance world? And what do you think still needs to be done to ensure parity? Yeah, so <clears throat> it's funny. This question is one that I, I thought a lot about because I think I've been lucky in that I came into finance in a time where there were, there are frankly, many more female investors out there, right? I think I talked to some of my mentors and role models who came into the industry in, you know, the 80s and 90s, and it was a completely different world back then. That's not to say that we're, you know, perfect now, but it it certainly is a lot easier because I have those role, mo role models and mentors to speak to. And I, and I think that that's been um, really beneficial to me. I think for, for me, what has really helped my experience also is having a really tight set of peers <laughs> who I'm able to kind of bounce ideas and, and chat about in terms of career paths or, or even things like thinking about family planning and, and, and all that. And so I think that that's been um, really additive to, to my experience in investing. Um, to your point earlier about different uh, guests that you've had on this show, a lot of them are, are friends of mine who I, I chat with pretty often on kind of what they're, not just what they're seeing on the on the market, but kind of how they're thinking about their careers and, and building out careers in venture and investing more broadly. I think um, what needs to be done to ensure parity kind of going forward, I think you're seeing better kind of top of funnel in the finance world, right? Like as we look at hiring analysts and associates to our team, I think we're seeing um, more women kind of at that top of funnel. Um, so I think we need to continue to push for that and make sure that uh, women kind of uh, are are able to to see those roles as available to them and, and have good experiences so they want to stay in the industry. I think that's really important and that's where mentorship comes in. Um, I think groups like All Raise and other female investing groups um, are ones that I've really leaned into that I think are are actually quite beneficial in that regard because you're able to get advice, um, hear about different people's experiences, and and frankly build a network. Um, so that can help your career either at a specific for firm or switching firms. Um, and, and I think that's what continues to, to have to be done. You have to continue to have role models, mentors, and um, just folks in the ecosystem that people can look up to um, and, and kind of help pull each other up. Because we always talk about the proverbial boys club. And I think to some extent, you need that for women as well. 100% agree. I mean, like you said, a lot of the folks who have been uh, guests on our show who you say you know you, you're a part of their circle yeah I think the the messaging is uh, echoed through and through about just having this sisterhood if you will or just ensuring that there are more peers that you can connect with talk to more mentors that you can 
look up to and and seek advice for so definitely 100% agree with all what you said um building on that what advice uh, would you have for f- aspiring female investors who are actually keen to explore the world of investing yeah so mo- most of the advice i would give to other aspiring female investors is is not that different than the advice i'd give to to all young investors or aspiring investors and number one it's reach out to other investors to companies that you're excited about don't be worried about rejection and and really put yourself out there because i think investing a lot of the times especially in venture is kind of putting your name out there and trying to see if if you can kind of hook a company or hook a deal and so you know you want to start that early and kind of get those reps in also a lot of investors are actually willing to to give you a bit of their time and chat about their career and you know introduce you to other folks and kind of give you their perspective because it's very different than reading a forum online or or reading an article about being an investor. Um, So I think that that's really important for female investors specifically. I think reaching out to other female investors um, is a a really helpful angle that's been helpful for me in the past, just because um, a lot of women are are hoping to see more women in the industry. So they're they're willing to spend time uh, with, with younger aspiring investors. I think number two in general is be a sponge. So learn everything that you possibly can, um, whether that's diving into an industry you're really excited about, trying to understand who, you know, the top investors in a certain ecosystem are and seeing what companies they're invested in. I think when you reach out to investors, for example, they want you to have perspective on their industry and kind of thoughts and and kind of go in not necessarily or or go in with a point of view on, on typically something that they cover or something in their ecosystem. So I think that that's really important. And then when you have those calls or meetings with folks, um, really try to take note of what they say and absorb it because um, you never know when it'll come up again or or if you are going to touch base with somebody again, it's always helpful to have kind of a, a reference point for where your last interaction was. And then thirdly, I think this um, kind of ties in with what I said with groups like Allraise. I think Um, it's really important for aspiring female investors to just lean into those female networks, right? Because I think that they're pretty strong today. They'll continue to be strong. And as they expand, um, they're going to become increasingly valuable. But the one thing I would say is don't necessarily pigeonhole yourself within just female networks, right? Like reach out to alumni from your school, um, from, from different backgrounds. I think uh, it's, it's really awesome to have a great network of, of female investor friends, but that's not to say that there isn't an awesome group of uh, folks from Wharton, for example, or from Berkeley that I chat with all the time who who are, are male investors. So I think it's important to really lean into the female network, but make sure that you still broaden uh, past that. Definitely. I think some really actionable, powerful messages there. So thank you so much. And with that, uh, we are at the end of this conversation. Thanks again, Justin. This was beautiful conversation. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate all that you had to share. Thank you. Really appreciate it.